You're listening to The Omni Show. Get to know the people and stories behind the Omni Group's award-winning productivity apps for Mac and iOS. Music. I'm your host, Brent Simmons. In the studio with me today is Michelle Nee, software test pilot at the Omni Group. Say hello, Michelle. Hello, Michelle. Nicely done. Thank you. So, you're a tester. What do you test? I test the websites that the Omni Group has. So, we have several. Mm. Uh, we have the marketing website, which most people know as omnigroup.com. Okay. Uh, we have the support site. Mm-hmm. We have inside OmniFocus, inside OmniGraffle, mm. and Stenciltown. And then we have a bunch of other smaller sites or internal sites that I also look at. Okay. Do we have some kind of internet or something I should know about? Uh, maybe guidebook. Ah, okay. Yeah. Guidebook is a pretty Rings important. A yeah. yeah. And, and other like utility sites and internal things where we do things. And right. Mysterious stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's a lot of websites. In fact, when I first moved from engineering to marketing, I was stunned by how many websites we had and some I didn't even know about. Yeah. I'm like, Wow. Okay. But you, you test all of them. Yep. I have a list of issues. Oh, I forgot the store. We also have oh, a store. Right, That's course, kind yeah. of an extremely important one. Mm-hmm. But I, I have a list of issues for each of the websites that I go through and test. And generally, as we get on to, like if Stenciltown's getting a redesign or a change, then I go through all the issues that have been fixed as they come mm-hmm. up. I take a look at them. I also look at like support articles that get written up by our okay. wonderful support people. Mm-hmm. And make sure that there's, you know, try to look for grammatical issues, typos, generally try to make sure that the steps work. Okay. So you're like the there. last line of defense copy editor too. Kind of, yeah, kind yeah. of, yeah. I also look at Brent's blog posts. Yes, I've uh, gotten a few posts here and there. <laughs> yep, absolutely right. Uh, comma was totally needed right there or, or whatever. Yeah. Or no S. Or no S or whatever, yep. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we have we have a ton of websites. You know, I'm so used to working in, in smaller companies. We have departments that are bigger than things I ever used to do, right? I mean, the amount of weight behind all our various websites is bigger than the entire output of like an eight-person company, even if that company was making apps and everything. You know? Yeah, there's so a there's lot an of awful work. lot there. Yeah. So you say with the support. Articles, you actually do go through the steps and everything with whatever various apps? Yeah, for the most part, I spot check some of them that I know, and then other ones where we've had a UI change, and mm-hmm. they've had to, so like the secret bar on OmniFocus 3 for iOS, they removed the secret bar and put the settings right on the app. That's right. Uh, I was so, so happy about that change. Yeah, yeah. so uh, that was kind of cool to go through all those and see the secret bar removed mm-hmm. from all of the support articles, and there were a lot of them. Ah. <laughs> You'd think the name, the secret bar, was a, a tip-off, that it wasn't the very best design ever. <laughs> but I'm so glad we've improved that. That's, I, it yeah. is definitely much improved, and yeah. I can find settings. You know. Yeah, right. <laughs> so when you're testing, are you running, uh, are you testing on iPhones, testing on Mac? What's your environment of testing like? If you've ever been to a release, a uh, major release with me, I generally bring in a stack of devices with me. I have... The smallest iPhone, I have 5S, pretty much comparable to an SE, very similar, all the way up to an iPad Mm 12-inch. And I have an iPhone 
8 Plus. I have an iPhone 10. I have an iPad Mini, an iPad 9, and an iPad 10. Plus my device, and then I also have a secondary test device, which has the versions of the Mac OS that we support. And then I just recently acquired a machine to test on Windows and wow. see our website. So I have a lot of devices, and a lot of people will probably say, why don't you just use responsive design mode mm-hmm. in the yeah. browser? You know, Hey, why don't you just use responsive design mode? Well, see, I've found that they're off by sometimes a pixel or two. Uh, there was one case where Caitlin, who's designer here at the Omni Group, had made a design, and she had checked it in responsive design mode. Mm-hmm. But when I actually looked at it on the device, because it was a pixel off, it caused wrapping to occur in the wrong spot. And basically, mm-hmm. we had a list to where there was one word on each line, and uh-huh. uh, <laughs> it didn't look the greatest. Right. I took a look at it when she was like, hey, it looks fine. I'm like, ah, let me look. Oh, responsive design mode is off by one. Oh, geez. It was a big lesson for everybody to know that devices are definitely king over responsive design mode. What's the old joke? There are two problems in computer science. It's off by one errors. Sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's the real problem, child? Is it like the 5S? The one that I bring up the most in the marketing uh, website meeting is the 5S. Mm-hmm. Because it is so small, iPhone okay. SE, and then iPad in split-screen mode, where the oh, smallest right. split-screen, those are all pretty comparable to each other. Mm-hmm. And we have to fit a lot of content in that little space right. and make it look nice. And mm-hmm. so that is definitely the problem child for me. The other one is the 8 Plus. Mm-hmm. Well, anything with a Plus, really, because it supports two modes. Compact as well as the wider screen. Oh, when you rotate it. When you rotate it. So you're not only doing every device, you're rotating every device and doing split screen on the ones that support split screen. Yeah, I look at the pages a lot Mm -hmm. going through each device. No kidding. (laughs) And generally what I do is I take a wide pass. I will use responsive design mode my first pass Mm -hmm. because I can catch a lot with that. Okay. And then I always switch to the devices and I start with the smallest and then I go to the largest. Mm-hmm. And then I do, usually the iPad mini, I catch a lot of stuff. Hmm. Interesting. It's just enough different that I can yeah, catch it really some is things. a class of its own, kind of, yeah. Yeah, and it has yeah. split screen. So it's okay. not only is it, you know, an iPad mini, but it also supports the split screen, which is smaller. It's fun. So do, are you using, uh, when you're testing on a Mac, are you in Safari or Safari some of the time? I use Safari a vast majority of the time, Mm -hmm. so I catch a lot of the issues in Safari. And then I always switch to Chrome and Firefox at some point to do a pass through those. Because for a while, Firefox had a problem. They would only do boxes, and we wanted to clip the corner of a box. Okay. So like the right bottom corner, we wanted to clip it off, and Firefox didn't support that. And so Mm -hmm. we had to make the decision as to what do we do in that case. Right. So there's little things like that. The other thing is Firefox usually has a pixel between. So like our menu. So we have the top menu, which has mm-hmm. the Omni Group apps, blog, and so forth. And then we have on the product pages, we have a product menu. Okay. And there's on Firefox, there can be at times on, on our first time doing it, there was a little gap. Mm. And just. Why? One pixel tall. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was a problem. The other thing I'll switch to those two for is my other problem child is Safari caching. Ah. Safari loves to keep its cache. Mm-hmm. And I mean loves to keep the cache. Yeah. And sometimes it just 
will not clear it. And so, sir, I'll, command and safari, or something? I, I hit command R, command option R. You know, I, everything I, to do with an I, R. Yeah, pretty much anything to do with an R. And then, yeah. you know, sometimes if I'm in the mood to get rid of all my cookies and all of my internet files, mm-hmm. I will actually clear my clear Safari all the way just mm-hmm. to get yeah. it to reboot, mm-hmm. um, so to speak. But what I'll do in the meantime, if I don't want to do that, is I'll switch over to Firefox. Firefox is probably my best browser for seeing what things currently look like without cache. Okay. I have that browser set up to always clear out all the internet files Mm. and the cache when I close it. Oh, okay. So when I open it. you can just close it, reopen. Yeah. Yeah. It'll reset. And then I can check it and see if what I'm seeing over in Safari is actually an issue or is Safari just caching. Right. You know, and Derek, the engineer. That's the style sheet from last week. Exactly. Derek's already uploaded it. And, you know, Mm. and rather than me reopening the issue, I can usually go, oh, it's cached. Uh-huh. Yeah. I really wish they'd fix that problem. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, they're not designing it with you in mind. They're designing it with people who are surfing the web, right? True, true, yeah. true. Still, though, yeah. A little love for the tester, though. Yeah, I know. Come on. <laughs> not only all that, but you're also testing OmniFocus for the web. Yes. And that probably runs into the exact same issues of Safari caching. and We actually had a d- discussion today in our mm-hmm. uh, team meeting on the caching mm-hmm. and what is there anything we can do about it? Right. And what changes can we make to make it better? Okay. Um, so yeah, it has the exact same issues that I've seen over on the website during test. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That product's pretty new. Mm-hmm. We're working on it. It's in its infancy stage okay. testing lots of ripe fruit hanging on the lower <laughs> branches to <laughs> right. pick off and yeah. uh, keeping the engineers busy. Mm-hmm. People are getting excited about it, though. People are like, I've wanted this for years, you know. It'll help out yeah. our definitely our Windows customers uh, oh, right. to where, sure. you know, they have an iPhone, but they go to work and they have a Windows machine. Mm-hmm. Was that the impetus for your getting a Windows machine to test with? Well, I'm a gadget geek, mm-hmm. but I also like to test on the actual device when I can. Sure. I'm not a huge fan of virtual machines. Mm-hmm. They serve their purpose. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. But sometimes the what you see on a virtual machine isn't necessarily what you'll see on an actual device. It right. could be better or it could be worse, depending on it. So I, I like to have an actual device in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I actually got the worst probably device possible, the cheapest thing you could buy mm-hmm. out there, no memory practically. You know, it runs Windows 10, but that's about it. It's probably good for testing, though. I mean, you know, it's great make for sure testing. it can do what it needs to do. Yeah. Along with testing, I hear that you're taking a class in iOS development. Is Omni paying for this? Is it like a professional development kind of thing? Yeah, Omni is pretty awesome in that they want their employees to keep up with the professional development Mm -hmm. so that we can bring it back to the company and do things that will benefit the company. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of people, you know, testers generally go to testing conferences and things like that. This year, another software test pilot and I, James Rowland, decided to take a class over at UW in iOS application development. I know for myself, I did it because I was a programmer way back when, uh, back when I graduated college and I haven't programmed. I figured it up in 15 years. I haven't done anything. The last, Mm -hmm. last thing was a conversion program in C sharp. So it was time to catch up and I had never actually done any Apple development whatsoever. So this course is using Swift as the language. All right. All um, the modern stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We had two weeks of Object C and I was a little bit like, <laughs> what? 
I'm uh, used to the semicolons, you know, right, from way sure, back when. Right. But Square brackets are a bit odd, aren't they? Yeah, square yeah. brackets, at symbols, what? Yeah, right. There's a lot of at symbols everywhere yeah. Yeah, in there. Yeah, that's true. I used to just throw them in randomly until it compiled, <laughs> then ship. Well, that's actually what I did when I was doing <laughs> the in-class assignment. If it complained, I threw an at symbol in and it yeah, stopped right. complaining. Yeah, right, probably needed one, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the at just means, no, really, Yeah. do this. Yeah, that must be it. <laughs> the other reason that I wanted to take it was to help with the communication with engineers. So mm. our engineers, you know, they speak the Apple language. Right, I speak yeah. Oracle, mm. uh, C-sharp, Windows right. language. And you also old- speak the language of users, though, which is the critical part, right? Exactly. Yeah. So a lot of times testers and support people as well take what end users will say and translate it, so to speak, into developer mm-hmm. engineer speak. So I learned a lot about view controllers. I learned a lot about oh, table yeah. views, mm-hmm. collection views. Right. And then my favorite, once we got to the core data section of the class, I loved it. Because it's databasey. It's databasey. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I love databases. It's my favorite thing in the world. So uh, when this airs in early October, most likely your class will be done. And you'll have your certificate and everything. Yay! Yeah, that's pretty Ooh. cool. So are you working on a, is there like a final project or anything for the class? Yeah, this last class, so it's the, the certificate's divided into three classes. And this last class is basically all about a, what they call a capstone project to where we have to come up with a concept for an application. Mm-hmm. And then we have milestones that we had to meet to get the application written. Right. And then at the end, we have to do a final presentation of what we did. Oh, cool. So you get to demo the, the app for the class and everything? Exactly. Oh, that's pretty cool. So what is it? What, what are you writing? Uh, so I'm writing a, a to-do game. list manager, right? Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a gaming library app. So my husband and I have two full shelves, and I mean five levels high shelves full of games. Okay. Somebody has a Kickstarter habit of backing games on Kickstarter. <laughs> And somebody, somebody, <laughs> I'm not sure who that is, but then we go to a gaming conference such as Gen Con mm-hmm. and my husband will wander the dealer hall, find a game he likes and come back to me and go, do we have this game? Mm. I'll go, well, it sounds familiar, but I'm not sure. Mm. Might so, as well just buy it then. Might as well just buy it. Yeah. yeah. So this is to help with that a little bit to go. Yeah, we have this game and we like this game. Oh, okay. Or so you, you can rate the games in the in the app and everything. Uh, not Rev One. Oh, okay. But that is one of the. You'll take that as a feature request. It's actually on my list as okay. feature request. So Rev One is basically add a game and add pictures mm. for the game. I'm also going to add in the rating system mm-hmm. per person, and then I'm going to add in score tracking. Oh, cool. So if you and I play a game. Mm-hmm. I'll write down who played, who won, what the scores were. Right. And then if Mark and I play a game, I'll write down the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then I can go back to history and go, oh, I always play with Brent and lose. Mm. I'm not playing that game again <laughs> with Brent. I think we're talking about Scrabble. Probably, because I, I am not any good at Scrabble. I'm right at Scrabble. Yeah, it's my one game. You should play against my husband, which is why I won't play with him. <laughs> I'll take that as a challenge. (laughs) Well, that sounds pretty cool. Are you going to post that on the app store? The plan is to eventually, Mm -hmm. there are a couple of other gaming library apps that exist out there. I would like to have in the score tracking 
in mind to make it unique mm-hmm. and, okay. and this the rating system. So I have a little bit more work to do, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a part of my initial proposal. It was yeah. a stretch goal for my proposal for the class. So okay. So I'll pass the class and then work on it in my spare time and get it done. I know all about working on apps in spare time. It's fun. Yeah. Evergreen, right? Yep. Yay. Yep. Busy working on it. Yeah. So what'd you do before Omni? You mentioned you were a programmer a long time ago. Yep. I graduated. Oracle stuff. Yeah. yeah. I graduated from Purdue University in computer technology. Okay. Got a job straight out of college doing Oracle Forms, reports, PL SQL. Mm-hmm. Basically came onto the team, wide-eyed mm-hmm. college kid. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they put me onto the report initially that's three pages long, just the layout. And this report it's is huge. Yeah. Really huge. Has had a whole bunch of repeating sections. And so I was on this report and the report was basically the paycheck for broker dealers. Mm. So massively important. This massively is like important. The important report. Yeah. Yes. And it needed to look nice. And one of the things that my project manager noted was I was really good at making sure things were aligned correctly. Everything looked nice. The font mm. size was correct. Attention to detail. Attention to detail. And so when she, she was a contractor who was a project manager, which was kind of mm, unusual. Yeah. But when she left and eventually her new company that she was a contractor at needed a tester, she contacted me and said, mm. hey, I think you would be really good at that. Uh, yeah, right. And at the time, the Stephen Covey and all that was going around. And my manager had talked about spokes on a wheel and developing all those spokes. Okay. And so I was really good at programming. I was called Jack of all trades. I could mm. do anything on the team that they needed me to do. Nice. And I wanted to develop my tester spoke. Mm-hmm. So I switched and I became a tester underneath a really good lead tester who was mm. great at teaching mm-hmm. how to do testing and how to foster the relationship between engineers and testers. Mm. And her number one rule that she had was when you write up an issue, don't use the word you. Mm. Because otherwise, when you're on the receiving end of that, you're like, I didn't write this code. You're blaming me for this. Oh, right. Sure. Right. It's and not personal. It's not. Yeah. It should never be personal. Yeah. And so her big suggestion was keep it very factual. Mm-hmm. Click this button, type this in, press this, this happens. Right. And it's worked. I've yeah. never had a bad relationship with an engineer yet. No, yeah, good. I hope to keep that streak going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I, I developed a support spoke. I have the utmost respect for our support humans. Oh, yes. Very the much best so. The best there is, yeah. Oh, man. I didn't like support. Mm-hmm. I just... Take a special person. I'm an introvert, so talking to people <laughs> <laughs> that I don't know yeah, right, yeah. is not my greatest strength. Then I decided that I like testing and switched back. Mm-hmm. And done testing since, I think, 20 years. So how'd you end up at Omni? Actually, Brent Simmons is the reason I'm at Omni. I know that guy. Who's that? <laughs> uh, so my husband is a follower of you on your blog and Twitter. Oh, that's very nice. And back in, I think it was February 2015, Omni had a job posting for a software tester, okay. software test pilot. And so he looked at it because he's, he's actually an SDET, which is a software development engineer in test. Okay. So, so he, he writes automated Tests? Basically. Okay. We'll, we'll go with that and 
He Simple can, enough. All right. He can say something to me later. Okay. Basically, that's what he does, but he's on the engineering side, mm-hmm. not the testing side. But he looked at the job and he said, well, it's not for me, but I think it'd be perfect for you. Mm. And he told me about it and he's like, hey, you should apply for this job. I looked at it and I went, it's in Seattle. We live in Kentucky. Mm. Mm. That's a long commute. That's a long, exactly. That's yeah. a long commute. I'd be on the plane all the time. <laughs> and he's like, no, you should really take it, look at it and seriously apply. So I let it go because it was in Seattle. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. moving cross country, really? I'm an only child. <laughs> My right. parents what are your kill parents going to do? Yeah. Oh, no. So two weeks later, you had posted an article on IO about the life at Omni. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And he read that because, of course, he follows you. And he sent it to me. And he's like, did you ever apply for this job? And I'm like, <laughs> no, I didn't. Do you really want to move cross country? And he said, yes. So I applied. had to put a resume together because mm-hmm. I wasn't looking. And applied, interviewed, and got the job. Easiest interviews for me i mean they're still stressful because they're interviews you're sure. talking to other people but easiest interview ever because i wasn't looking for a job and so i didn't necessarily need a job oh right so yeah so when it's pre- something you can walk away from or whatever yeah low, it's like lower pressure exactly i really yeah. wanted the job but yeah eh, i can go into it and be relaxed and then you got the job and then I got the job and then it was like, well, now we have to tell our friends, my oh, parents, right, sure, we had to pack yeah. all our stuff. And uh-huh. we were taking a trip to Maui <laughs> that May. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so is the secret that you wanted this job so you could be closer to Maui? Yes. Yes, of course. From Kentucky, it takes us 12 to 14 hours to get to Maui. Mm-hmm. Long time. Yeah, to, yeah. To be in an airport around other people. Sure. On a plane. You know, in the end, you're in Maui, which is and, great, but still. But then you have to come time. back. Oh, yeah. Oh. And you have the trip back. Same, same amount of time. Right. And so we had talked about moving to the West Coast so that our trip was only four and a half hours to five. Mm-hmm. And we made it happen. Yeah. So nice. I've always wanted to live in Seattle when I was a little kid. Hmm. In school, we did like the cities of the United States, okay. major cities. And Seattle was one that I did. And hmm. I learned about it and loved it. And ever since I we had have that, a great needle. Yeah. And it's not sunny here six months out of the year, seven months. I know. Don't remind me. It's still summer. I like the wintertime. <laughs> I like the summertime. I don't know why I live here. I love the clouds. Oh, because summer here is the best place to be in the world. Oh, it is. Yeah. It is. Except for the sun. <laughs> people people really think like the sun. <laughs> I'm not a sun person. I've uh, met one other person that's not a sun person. He's uh, the coffee guy, barista at the place I go to. But yeah, I'm not a, I don't like the sun. Um, I overheat easily. I'm mm. out in it too long. Oh, sure. So I like the clouds. They mm-hmm. protect me. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. My wife is similar. She talks about the clouds as being this you know, lovely blanket that is just there all the time, most of the time. And that she also claims that she has gills. And so the air needs to be, you know, a bit moistened by rain or, or she can't breathe. Well, I like that. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh no, my gills. <laughs> <laughs> And that's probably a misnomer that a lot of people have about Seattle is that it's rainy here all the time. Right. True. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. Our summers are absolutely phenomenal. It's it's really worth saying we have a rainy season and a dry season. And the dry season, it really is quite really extremely dry. Exactly. The grass is still brown right now. We have wildfire smoke around us, unfortunately. So when you're not going to Maui, you're knitting. When you're not playing games and going to Maui, you're knitting. When you're not going to Maui, playing <laughs> games, 
being at work or doing this class, you're knitting. Yes. When I first came here, I was a crocheter. Learned to crochet from a, I'm going to put quotes around it, crusty old aunt All right. that taught me to crochet a long time ago. I came here and there's a knitter's area mm-hmm. at lunchtime that a lot of people would go to. And so I went down there with my crochet hook. And, you know, I remember the first time I ripped out what I did and everybody was like, <gasps> Because knitting, you don't just rip things out. Ah, okay. Like I did. I mean, Mm -hmm. I took my needle out, my crochet hook out, and just literally ripped. Because Ah, in crochet, you only have one loop on the crochet hook at a time. Whereas in knitting, you have a whole slew of them. Mm. And they can drop down fairly easily. So that was kind of humorous. But then I was (laughs) like, I want to learn to do this. So I took some classes, went to a few conferences. And I've made three or four sweaters. Hmm. Whole slew of hats, gloves, fingerless gloves, cowls, and socks. I have yet to make a scarf. No scarves. No scarves. And no. that's usually what seems like. That's the starter. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Never made a scarf. Hmm. All right. Well, Might maybe one day. Yeah. Hey, you're past it. You don't need to. I mean, exactly. If you could make a cowl, yeah. you can make anything, right? Yeah. Maybe yeah. one of my mystery knit alongs. Uh, we call them. What's a mystery knit along? So I joined a couple clubs. And they send me a box, and in the box is a pattern as well as yarn to go with that pattern. And then it's only part of the pattern. Ooh. And they may or may not tell you what you're making. Hmm. So they might just say, you know, it's a shawl. Okay. Or they might not say anything. So you're just knitting based on the instructions. Exactly. Wow. And you start knitting, and it starts to take shape, and it's like reading a computer program. Okay. You're going line by line, and it's telling you a series of steps to do. Mm-hmm. Knit this, purl this, knit these together. Okay. Yarn over is another term that's used. Right. And I liken it to a computer program. And you just go row by row. Only like you're the computer executing the instructions. I exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And so it, it works to keep me entertained mm-hmm. and my brain entertained because it's always got to be thinking. Uh, and a couple of times I've looked at the pattern ahead of time, you know, looked it over to kind of see where I thought we were going and went, I don't understand this at all. Uh-huh. And then I tell myself, just do what it says. Right. Execute the step. You think computers are ever like that? Like, I don't get this. What the heck? I don't even know what this is going to be. Well, I'll just do it. With my program, I'm sure it's doing that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, your first program is never. Right. I'll look back on it 20 years from now and go, what was I thinking? <laughs> It sounds cool, though. And in the, in the end, you actually, you have something. Yeah. The last two have made a shawl, mm-hmm. different types. One was a triangle shape. Okay. The other was actually a rectangle shape. Hmm. Why not? Yeah. Which started off as a diamond, which was kind of interesting uh-huh. to me. Yeah. Right. right. And then uh, right now we're making little cactuses. Hmm. They send us a little pot. Okay. And you knit the dirt section, you knit the top part of the cactus <laughs> and wow. put a flower on it and stick it in the pot when you're done. It's kind of cool. That's cool. Is he a dog person or a cat person? Oh, cat person by far. Thank goodness. So many dog people around here. (laughs) I love them. Dogs are great, but come on. Cats are best, right? Oh, cats rule. Dogs drool. Yeah, I know. I know. Got some cats? Got a couple. Yeah? I have two ragdolls, Calvin and Hobbes. Mm, Ragdolls. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Ragdolls are kind of interesting. We have actually standard ragdolls. They're standard and mink. Probably, I imagine, a breeder would tell me there's more than that, but... Mm. For my purposes, they're standard mink. Okay. But we have standard, and when they're born, they're born all white. Mm. And then they develop their color up to five years. Okay. 
And so we have two. One's a chocolate and one's a seal color. Mm-hmm. They're just adorable. Ragdolls are named that way because generally when you pick them up, they go limp. Yeah. They don't help at all. <laughs> they just... They, Totally uh, trusting. Right, yeah. Of you. That's amazing. Yeah. We named them Calvin and Hobbes, obviously, after the comic strip. Hopefully yeah. every, everybody knows about the comic strip. It will be in the show notes in case there's any one person out there who doesn't that doesn't know. know that. Yeah. And their first names are for their youth. Okay. So Calvin was a young boy mm-hmm. with his stuffed tiger Hobbes. And their middle names are Statler and Waldorf. Ah, of course. The Muppets. The The Muppets. The cranky old Muppets in the gallery. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We actually had to look up those names, by the way, (laughs) when we were naming the boys. I think we were watching the Muppets on TV. Hmm. And Jeff's like, what are their names? Right. You know, and so their middle names are for when they get older. Okay. Hobbs, I think, kind of got the short end of that stick getting the name Waldorf. But, Hmm. you know, because it's the one that's a salad. Yeah, it's a salad. In a hotel, right? Yeah. And I always think of the Waldorf salad is what I always think of because my grandmothers used to make it. Oh. That and the Watergate salad, of course. But the Waldorf salad, they used to make that. And so I'm always like, you're named after a salad, which actually, (laughs) if the Muppets are actually named after the hotels. Oh, okay. Is actually what they're named after. Oh, all right. So they have any strange preferences? Like one prefers this chair and. They have a strong preference to the color of blanket that they lay on. Hmm. So Hobbs likes the red blanket and Calvin likes the white blanket. Okay. So we had a friend over. Uh, At least Tom. they don't like the same blanket and fight over it. Well, then there's that. Yeah. Uh, they do fight over the beanbag chair we have. Of course. In the room as well. Uh, we had a friend over, Tom. He's an engineer here. Mm. And he sat down and Hobbs wanted to lay on his lab. Sure. Hobbs is staring at him because he hasn't put the blanket on his lab. Ah, got it. And blanket. then I'm like, you need a blanket, Tom. He grabs the white blanket and puts it on his lap. No. Wrong color. Totally wrong color. And I'm like, well, that's the wrong blanket. You need to grab the red red blanket. And Tom's just looking at me like I'm this nuts person, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> over there crazy, telling him he needs to switch blankets. He does, and Hobbs jumps right up in his lap, lays down, and starts to take a bath. Mm-hmm. You know, like cats do. He got right. what he wanted. So the lesson is, if you want the cat, you need to get the right blanket color. Exactly. Yeah. Well, on that note, we'll stop because now our listeners have learned something about cats and blankets and <laughs> colors and things. So thank you, Michelle. Where can people find you on the web? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at MEC2973. MEC2973. And then Mac2973 on microblog. Okay. Well, we'll put uh, those so. in the show notes too. Yeah. I'd also like to thank our intrepid producer, Mark Bosco. Say hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. And especially, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you. Music.